Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Hi there, welcome to Leading Lights. I'm Greg Donaldson. We're doing a series of talks about King David as an example for us to learn from to be leaders for God. There are a couple of really useful scriptures. The first is in Isaiah chapter 55, where it says in verse 4, Indeed, I have given David as a witness to the people, a leader and commander for the people. It says God gave David to us as a role model of what a leader should be like. There are more than 141 chapters, chapters written about David in the Bible, more than anyone else. And he is called the ancestor of Jesus. More than anyone else, Jesus was called the son of David. In fact, God promised David that he would always have a descendant of his sitting on the throne. And that meant Jesus ultimately. And then in Psalm 78, it says, verse 70, God chose David, his servant, took him from the sheepfolds, from following the ewes that had young, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. So David shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. You know, leadership is a big issue. The world talks about leadership a lot, and there are courses on how to be an effective CEO, chief executive officer, or boss of a company with the admin and the public relations and the staff relations and, and all the different things that are involved in being a CEO, uh, which is a bit like a, a, a king in the Old Testament times, a, a boss who's, who's a leader, a strong leader, and who directs and leads and controls. Um, there are many other courses and, and ideas around about how we should lead. And the world's idea of leadership is different to God's idea of leadership. God said, David is the leader. And he used this term shepherd. He says he took him from the sheepfolds, from being a shepherd of little sheep, following the ewes while they were giving birth to babies to check that they were all right. And, and being a shepherd in the fields out there at night, uh, protecting them from the wild animals, taking care of them, leading them into pastures where they could feed and rest. He took him from that place and he made him, the Bible says, the shepherd of his people, of his nation Israel. And so today I want to contrast this idea of shepherd, leadership being like a shepherd, to perhaps being like a, a boss, which is like a king, King Saul in, in David's time. There were two other kings in David's time. Saul was the king that David took over from and he was like a king. He was a, a strong leader who subjugated people under him and controlled people through force and through fear. And then there was another king towards the end of David's life, his son Absalom uh, took leadership by uh, subtle means, by trickery. And he's a bit more like a politician. We're going to see that Absalom, David's son, the Bible says he was from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. He was beautiful to look at. He had such beautiful hair that he would cut it once a year. And there was this huge weight of hair and he was so proud of his looks. But he was also like a politician in the way that he dealt with people. And he he won people through public relations, but actually through trickery and flattery and through uh, secret subterfuge. 
And so there were these two leaders, like a politician, like a CEO, uh, Absalom and Saul. And then we have David in the middle, who is like a shepherd. And we're going to see today that there's a reason God says in Isaiah 55 that David is the example that he lifts up of what a leader should be like. I want to challenge you. You may be in leadership already, or maybe you say, I'm not a leader, but I want to tell you somebody is looking up to you and God wants you to be a leader. Daniel chapter 12, verse 2 and 3 talks about God bringing people up at the end of time. There'll be a judgment day and it says those who have led other people to righteousness, in other words, led people in God's ways, will shine like the brightness of the stars forever. And that's the verse, one of the verses that caused us to call our organization Leading Lights, because we want people to become leaders for God in small groups or in churches all around the world, and for them to shine like the brightness of the stars forever. So we saw that uh, David was called a shepherd by God. Let me read you that again. He chose David as servant, took him from the sheepfolds. I don't know if you saw last uh, week's message about David having a heart of worship and how he worshiped God uh, when he was all alone. He was excluded. His other seven brothers and his mum and dad ignored him pretty much, but he took solace and strength in God in the sheepfolds, in the fields, far away from everyone else. And he was often called upon to protect his sheep from wild animals. He talks about the lion and the bear, but in some of his Psalms, he talks about treading snakes underfoot as well. He, he had to fight against dangers and watch out for his sheep and care for them and protect them. And then that led him to be ready when the time arose, when Goliath the giant was attacking or, or intimidating the nation of Israel, David rose up and that same spirit of worship and faith and that same strength that he had gained from being a worshiper alone with God in the fields enabled him to be a champion that overcame Goliath and catapulted him into the public eye as being a leader, perhaps the next king of Israel. And so we saw how his heart of worship prepared him to be a leader. But today I want to look at how his shepherd uh, work and his shepherd heart made him a great leader for God. Many of us are aware of Psalm 23, written by David, where he says, the Lord is my shepherd. And so the first thing that um, I want to show to you about being a shepherd is a shepherd who is a leader after God's own heart, like David was. A person who leads as a shepherd has to first be a sheep. You have to first see God as your shepherd and you have to have that relationship of realizing I am looked after by the great almighty God. Psalm 23 is a beautiful psalm. You've probably read it or heard it before many, many times, but it says this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I'm secure. There's nothing that I'm going to need or lack. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And all the time David's thinking of how he would lead his sheep to where there was a green pasture. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. When David was in turmoil or fear or rejection or, or sadness or bitterness, the time alone with God, God, his shepherd, restored his soul, just like when he would lead his sheep 
to a quiet, still water for them to drink. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He would, God would lead David into how to live right and what to do and say and how to behave correctly. And he saw that as a pattern of him leading his sheep the way that they should go to avoid danger and, and things that could harm them. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you, God, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Rod and staff are the, the sticks that a shepherd holds to protect the sheep from wild animals and from wolves and, and, thing, and bears and lions. And he said, David said, that God is with me. When I'm going through a dark time, the valley of the shadow of death, where I'm not sure where I'm going. Maybe he was remembering sometimes at night when he had to lead his sheep through maybe a difficult path or where there was a cliff on one side or, or something dangerous around and he would lead a sheep and he would call. The Bible talks later on in John chapter 10 about the shepherd goes ahead of the sheep and he calls and the sheep hear his voice and they know and they recognize and follow his voice. David would have called to his sheep. They would have known him and recognized him and trusted him to walk through the darkness or through the danger. And David as the shepherd knew the way to go and he says, God does that for me. He knew what it was to be a sheep as well as to be a shepherd. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David knew that his heart for his sheep was love and he really did love his sheep. He wanted them to be well, to be fed, to be safe, to prosper and flourish and God wanted that for David. And because David had that relationship of God being his shepherd, he trusted God as his shepherd. He could pass that on. And so the first thing about being a shepherd is that we mirror God's relationship with us in our relationship with others. We represent God to those under us. Romans chapter 13 says that all authority is given by God. And what that means is that authority was originally intended by God to represent him so that he could pour blessing through authority figures to those that they were looking after. Authority is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And David understood, I'm a sheep with God as my shepherd and therefore I can be a shepherd to others. And he would delegate in 1 Samuel 17, when David went to the front lines where Goliath was, it says he left his sheep with somebody else to look after them. He knew what it was to delegate. When David was the shepherd in the fields with his sheep, he knew my dad owns these sheep. I'm not the owner. I am simply um, representing my dad and looking after somebody else's sheep. And so David understood all these different nuances of shepherding. You see, a, a king often has nobody he's accountable to. A politician is accountable to everyone, but he uses deception and, and clever tricks to try and get his way. But a shepherd says, I'm here looking after these sheep. Imagine you are looking after a small group, maybe a Bible study, maybe it's just your couple of kids or your family or whatever it is. Maybe you're a teacher or a boss at, at work. And a shepherd's heart says, I want what's best for them because I'm looking after them for the chief shepherd, the one who actually is above me and who will call me to account. You know, in church leadership, uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 tells 
church members to submit to their leaders. But then it says, because they will give an account to God one day for your souls. And so a shepherd in a church environment must never think of themselves like a CEO or a king or like a, a politician who's trying to get their way through through convincing people they're a shepherd. They're representing the owner of the sheep and the chief shepherd. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter writes to the elders of the church and he says, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder. Peter, the great apostle, says, I'm just an elder. And then he tells them to shepherd and to watch over the flock. And then he says, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive your reward and your glory. So David understood this. He understood the whole relationship that he was not the boss. He was just part of a chain with the chief shepherd who was his shepherd, but also looking after the sheep for his dad, but also for God. And he understood the whole system of authority. And it's a place of comfort and strength. Uh, it takes away a whole lot of the striving and it takes away a whole lot of the need to to perform and to put on a show because you say, I'm actually just doing this for somebody else. The other thing about uh, the shepherd is that they want what's best for the sheep. You know, a king often can be twisted to want what's best for themselves. A politician wants what's best for the sheep, but often lets the sheep tell him what's best for the sheep. Whereas a shepherd knows what's best. He can see the attacks and the dangers, and he knows where the good pasture is, and he wants what's best for them. Uh, in Philippians 2, Paul is talking about his disciple Timothy, and he says, I have no one like him who truly cares for your well-being, for how good you are doing. And that's the heart of a shepherd, someone who wants what's best for them and who is himself a sheep. And um, the way that this plays itself out is that they lead. In other words, they set an example. The, the shepherd goes ahead. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And he says, he goes ahead and he calls and his sheep hear his voice. They recognize his voice. They follow his voice. They won't follow a stranger. Uh, a shepherd doesn't try to cajole or, or, or use a politician's tactics. He doesn't beat the sheep to get them to do. He goes ahead and he leads by example. In fact, the passage that I quoted in 1 Peter 5, where Peter tells the elders to be shepherds, he says, be examples to the flock, not lording over them, but showing them the way by example. So a shepherd leads. He, he says, God, you the chief shepherd, what are you wanting? And then he goes forward and with his voice, he speaks and he leads by example and the sheep follow because they trust and they know his voice. Secondly, he guards the sheep and David did this. He protected his sheep at all costs, even at danger to himself. He wanted what was best for them and he was willing to fight. The rod and the staff were weapons that he would use to protect his sheep and to guard them. Now I just want to um, show you a little bit of a picture of Saul and Absalom to contrast them, to show you how David was a good shepherd. So Saul, uh, 1 Samuel 19 verse 9, illustrates this very nicely. It says, Now the distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with his spear in his hand, and David was playing music with his hand. So we see there in this one verse, using what was in their hands, it contrasts Saul with David. Saul is often seen with a spear 
in his hand. Throughout the Bible, when we see Saul, he's usually got a spear. And I'm going to read you a few verses to show you that. But it illustrates Saul's leadership um, method, which was force and intimidation and telling people what to do and then making them do it through uh, force and, and not through them wanting to do it or following willingly. Uh, whereas David played music with his hand and again and again we see him worshipping all the way through. And then the next verse which shows Absalom is 2 Samuel 15 verse 5. Do you remember Absalom was David's son, his third son, who uh, took the leadership, the kingship of Israel in an illegitimate way. He stole it from David. And in 2 Samuel 15 verse 5, it talks about how Absalom would get up early in the morning and stand at the city gates. And whenever people were coming in, he would pretend to be all nice to them. And he had 50 people with him so that they thought, wow, he's got a lot of support. And then he would use trickery and say to them, oh, I wish I was uh, your leader because I would give you justice. The king's too busy, but let me hear your case. And he used trickery. And then in verse 5, it says, and so it was whenever anyone came near to bow down to Absalom, that he would put out his hand and take him and kiss him. <laughs> this is a politician. So Saul is the, is the CEO boss who just uses spears and crushes people. David's the shepherd who shepherds with worship and, and following the chief shepherd. But Absalom is the politician. And when somebody comes and they bow down to him because they knew he was the king's son, he would take his hand, he would pull them near and he would kiss them. But he was not being genuine. He didn't care about the people. He cared about himself. So let me read you quickly a few of the verses about Saul. First Samuel 18 says, verse 8, Then Saul was very angry and the saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands. And to me, they've only ascribed thousands. Now what can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward. Saul was very distrustful. He was worried about his position. The people were loving David more than him. And in verse 11 it says, And Saul cast the spear, and he said, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped his presence twice. 1 Samuel 19 verse 1 says, Now Saul spoke to Jonathan his son and to all his servants, that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. Verse 10, Then Saul sought to pin David to the wall with the spear, but he slipped away from Saul's presence, and he drove the spear into the wall. So David fled and escaped that night. Saul also sent messages to David's house to watch him and to kill him in the morning. And Michelle, David's wife, told him, saying, If you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. 1 Samuel 20, verse 33, then Saul cast a spear to kill Jonathan, his son, by which Jonathan knew that it was determined by his father to kill David. Saul used spears and intimidation. And then there were some priests who had helped David and given David some food when David escaped. And in 1 Samuel 22, it tells the story of what Saul did to those priests. Then Saul heard that David and the men who were with him had been discovered. Saul was staying at Gibeah under a tamarisk tree in Ramah with his spear in his hand and all his servants standing about him. Verse 13, then Saul said, why have you conspired against me? He was talking to the priest who had helped David. Why have you conspired, you and the son of Jesse, in that you have given him bread and a sword? and have inquired of God for him, that he should rise against me to lie in wait, as it is this day. And the king said, You shall surely die, Abimelech, you and all your father's house. He was saying to the priest, I'm going to kill you. He used intimidation. 
uh, verse 17. Then the king said to the guards who stood about him, Turn and kill the priests of the Lord, because their hand also is with David, and because they knew when he fled and did not tell it to me. But the servants of the king would not lift their hands to strike the priests of the Lord. And the king said to Doeg, You turn and kill the priests. So Doeg the Edomite turned, struck the priests, and killed them on that day. Eighty-five men who wore a linen ephod. Um, and it, it was a terrible slaughter. Can you see this method of leadership? It's using force. It's saying, I'm stronger. I'm richer. I'm in power. You must do what I say. I'm the boss. I will force you. That's a CEO method, ruling with a spear. And David responded beautifully. Um, there were at least two times, probably more than that, where David was fleeing from Saul and Saul was just terribly pursuing him to kill him. And in 1 Samuel 24, verse 4, um, they came ac across Saul and they had an opportunity to kill him. And the, the men of David said to him, This is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. David had a chance to kill Saul and he just cut a corner of his robe off to prove that he could have killed him. And then he felt so bad that he'd even cut his robe. He said, I can't touch a, a, a person in authority because God puts authorities in place. And as his shepherd heart was so tender, he wouldn't hurt this leader. Even though he'd seen Saul trying to kill him with a spear, he'd seen Saul at his worst. He had every reason to be bitter and twisted. He chose not to hurt and his heart was sweet and tender rather than bitter. And then another example in 1 Samuel 26, exactly the same thing happened. David could have killed him. Um, verse 7, And there Saul lay, sleeping within the camp, with his spear stuck in the ground by his head. And Abner and the people lay all, all around him. Then Abishai said to David, God has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. Now therefore, please let me strike him at once with the spear right to the earth. I will not have to strike him a second time. But David said to Abishai, Do not destroy him. For who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? David said, Furthermore, as the Lord lives, the Lord shall strike him, or his day shall come to die, or he shall go out to battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. But please take the spear and the jug of water and let us go. So David showed that he honored authority and he was not going to take an, ex an opportunity to crush his enemy. And I just want to tell you about Absalom in 2 Samuel chapter 15. Absalom has uh, used trickery to try and take the kingdom away from David. And it says, after this had happened that Absalom provided himself with chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. Absalom would rise early and stand beside the way to the gate. So it was whenever anyone who had a lawsuit came to the king for a decision that Absalom would call to him and say, 
what city are you from? And he would say, your servant is from such and such a tribe. Then Absalom would say to him, look, your case is good and right, but there is no deputy of the king to hear you. Moreover, Absalom would say, oh, that I were made a judge in the land and everyone who has any suit or cause would come to me. Then I would give him justice. And so it was whenever anyone came near to bow down to him, that he would put out his hand and take him and kiss him. In this manner, Absalom acted toward all Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. And then in verse 14, it says, So David said to all his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, Arise, let us flee. Absalom has now taken control. He's, he's staged a coup and he's taken control. And, and David, rather than forcing his way, he says, Arise, let us flee or, or we shall not escape from Absalom. Make haste to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring disaster upon us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. And the king went out with all the people after him and stopped at the outskirts. Then the king said to Ittai the Gittite, why are you going with us? Return and remain with the king, for you are a foreigner and an exile from your own place. And all the country wept with a loud voice, and all the people crossed over. The king himself also crossed over the brook Kidron, and all the people crossed over toward the way of the wilderness. There was Zadok also, and all the Levites with him, bearing the Ark of the Covenant. They set down the Ark, and Abiathar went up until all the people had finished crossing over from the city. Then the king said to Zadok, carry the ark of God back into the city. If I have found favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me back and show me both it and his dwelling place. But if he says thus, I have no delight in you. Here I am. Let him do to me as it seems good to him. See, I will wait in the plains of the wilderness until word comes from you to inform me. Therefore, Zadok and Abiathar carried the ark of God back to Jerusalem and they remained there. So David went up by the ascent of the Mount of Olives and wept as he went. And he had his head covered and went barefoot. And all the people who were with him covered their heads and went up weeping as they went. Now it happened when David had come to the top of the mountain where he worshipped God. There was Hushai the archite coming out to meet him with dust on his head. And then Psalm 3 is written at this time. And it says, a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom his son. Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice and he heard me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You've broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. And David trusted God as the chief shepherd to remove Absalom, which he then did. He trusted God to remove Saul, which he did. David said, I am a shepherd. I'm not a king, a CEO. I'm not a politician. I listen to the shepherd and I look after the sheep. And because of that, God lifted him up. Friend, if you're a leader trying to use the world's methods to push people down or to gain support, like like a politician does i encourage you be a good shepherd like david god bless you thanks for listening please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on itunes and please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com